we shared that quite a bit this summer. We're, we're excited that people would come. Uh, we're touching here in this preaching series on some of the elements that we touch on during the, the, the conference, the Restored Life Conference, uh, where specifically I go through uh, the specific uh, 12 steps of the Recover Life material. And uh, so a lot of those are, uh, a lot of that, that material is, is featured at that, at that three-day weekend. And then we have uh, some Wednesdays that follow. We invite you to be a part of that. Then there's mentoring. Uh, we invite you to sign up and get involved uh, with a prayer partner, a mentor, uh, for you know, four, six, eight weeks, whatever, uh, and, uh, and let somebody pray you through some of your stuff. So that's, that's coming up quickly, and, and uh, what we're touching on here in this preaching series is, is material that's not uh, identical, uh, but because the, the topic is vast. So we, you know, we could cover... And that's why we have 12 hours of teaching, roughly 12 hours of teaching in the Recover Life book and the Recover Life uh, audios and videos. And still, we're just kind of scratching the surface. We're still just uh, kind of working on the iceberg. There's so much that uh, still needs to be learned and understood. But it's valuable that we touch on these things. It's, it's valuable that we learn about this so that we can actually emerge into who we're called to be. Amen? So Romans chapter 12 talks about uh, metamorphosis. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. You know, it, kinda, it gives us that picture of the caterpillar becoming a butterf butterfly. And, you know, the DNA is there, but there has to be a metamorphosis. There has to be a transformation. There's actually a process that's taking place. And, and likewise, and so Paul uses that illustration in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, that we would, we would be transformed into who we've become, that we would metamorphose, that we would be transformed into who we've become in the new creation by renewing our mind, by learning, by growing, by, by taking on a higher mind, taking on a new mind, taking on the mind of Christ, shifting our thinking from who we were now into who He's made us to be. Amen? So let's pray right now that our hearts would be open to do that and uh, just acknowledge His work this morning. Father, we thank You for transformation. We, th we thank You for salvation, and we thank You for transformation. And Lord, this morning we look into this, this whole realm of sanctification. This has been a, a study from the church fathers. It's been a study uh, all through church history. It's been a study with Martin Luther, with Jonathan Wesley. Uh, with all of those that have gone before us, Jonathan uh, uh, Wycliffe and, and so many, Lord, we just, we just turn our hearts now to say we want to understand more this process of metamorphosis, this process of, of renewal and becoming who you've called us to be. And we welcome the work of the Spirit within us this morning in Jesus' name and everybody's head. Uh, picking up last, uh, off of last week a little bit, I'll pick up off of that a little bit uh, here in a few minutes. But uh, first of all, I think there's three steps to kind of break things down to kind of make them fairly simple. Uh, I think there's three simple steps to the metamorphosis, uh, three simple steps to becoming who uh, God's called us to be and who we're we become in the new creation. Number one, confessing Jesus as the Lord of our life. Uh, that's number one. How many of you know that? And, and that, that's the first step, and we would call that in maybe evangelical Christianity, salvation. Uh, confessing Jesus as the Lord of our life. And, and there's scriptures on that out of John 3. And, and again, anytime I've got 30 minutes to bring you something, it won't be exhaustive. Uh, it, 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 it can't, I can't cover, I can't do justice to the fullness of the topic today. And the topic today is curses are real. Everybody say curses are real. Eventually, we want to get to the topic. That's our topic today. But, uh, so in the metamorphosis process, uh, number one, confessing Jesus as the Lord of your life. Uh, maybe our hallmark passage for us on that is Romans 8 uh, and then Romans 8, 8 through 10 would be specifically uh, uh, the hallmark 
passage on that. You've heard that before. If we believe in our heart, Jesus is Lord, and we confess with our mouth, right? Then we shall be saved. Or we, and there's a shift that comes to us. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and, and with the mouth he confesses unto salvation. And the word salvation there in the Greek is the word sozo. And it is the word uh, to be transferred out of something and to be brought into something. It carries the picture, sozo, salvation, to be brought out of darkness, to be brought out of bondage, and to be brought into the promise and to be brought into life. So we would say that's kind of step number one. Step number two is putting the sinful nature to death. This is an additional step. And here at church and in our books and our starting point book and in our studies and and, and when we're having water baptism uh, gatherings, be it at the lake or here at the platform, uh, we'll, we'll talk about this. This is really the step two of our transformation, our metamorphosis, uh, becoming who God's desired us to be, called us to be, made us to be in Christ Jesus, putting the sinful nature to death. It's an additional step, and there's several passages on this, and Romans chapter 6 would be one. Colossians chapter 2 would be another. Romans chapter 6, verse 6, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin for the one who has died has been set free from sin. So here, this is where we, we bring to the Lord, we bring to the altar, uh, we bring to the cross, and this is this is part of taking up our cross. The Lord said that He wants us to take up our cross daily. And the self that we die to in the cross is the rebellious self. It's the demonic self. It's, it's the old creation self. Uh, it, it's, the, it's the prideful self. And so He says He wants us to bring that part of us to the cross daily, to recognize that part of us has been put to death in the cross and that we too can be set free, and that in Him and in what He's accomplished for us, we have no longer an obligation to fulfill sinful passion, sinful desire, and that to do so is choosing a lower level of life. Now, it's the cross, it's in the cross that He defeated Satan. He defeated the power of Satan over us. He defeated darkness in the cross. Uh, he overthrew the power of the enemy. He was victorious and triumphant on our behalf as a man on the cross. By the way, he didn't die in his divinity. This, this, is part of, this is even part of step one, declaring Jesus as Lord. It's not Jesus only in his divinity, but Jesus in his manhood. This is part of 1 John 4. If any spirit comes along and says that he didn't come in his manhood, that's a false prophetic spirit. That's a lying spirit. Get away from that thing. Okay? So because, because if we deny what he did in his manhood, then we're, we can't enter in to all that God has done for us in Jesus. Don't have time for all that this morning, but are you understanding what I'm saying at all? Anybody home? So, secondly, he defeats Satan on our behalf in the cross, and in doing so, that moves us to step number three. So, the cross becomes very powerful. The cross becomes our freedom from the urge, the compulsion, the power of the sinful nature. We recognize that in the cross, when he died, he put the power of the sinful nature to death on our behalf so that we can bring our sinful nature to that same exact cross, recognize we're dead in that cross, and therefore if we're dead or the sinful nature died or is put to death in that cross, then we too have victory over Satan. Now this is point number three, and this is part of us emerging into who he's called us to be and all that he's ordained for us to be. Number three is that we enter into deliverance. Deliverance ministry, deliverance participation is the third additional step of emerging into the new creation life. 
that we have now the power, we have the ability, we have the authority, we have the grace, we have the anointing, we have everything we need to dismiss whatever was attached to the sinful nature and whatever was attached to our lineage, our history, our past, our sin, we have now the power and the grace to dismiss that demonic power because we have been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light through the Son and through what He's accomplished for us. So our third step now is boldly becoming a deliverance minister. And it's not just concerning uh, where we sinned, where we blew it, where we messed up. It's not just those things, those influences, those spirits, those entities attached to our sin, but it's also, as we talked last week, and some of you were tuned in watching, as we talked last week, those things that have nothing to do with sin. And, and last week, we, we just touched on a, a few of those. Uh, 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 but there's so many of those elements, areas, doorways, openings, uh, where the enemy has attached himself to us, problems, troubles, uh, 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 difficulties, and, and today we could say, like along with today's topic, curses, demonic influence, curses, have attached themselves to us, uh, not due to our sin, but due to things that have been done to us, things that relate to our lineage, so we're actually walking in an inheritance of curse, an inheritance of trouble, an inheritance of difficulty due to our lineage. So we become, uh, we become proficient. And I like to see this as, uh, I like to see this as working out a complete divorce. So previously, before we knew the Lord, uh, believe it or not, biblically speaking, you were married to the demonic realm. You followed after the demonic realm. You did what that realm whispered in your ear to do. And uh, that was natural to you. And I, I, I know you might, not, uh, you might not hang out with Mick Jagger and like, act like you're making love to the devil or something. But uh, nonetheless, uh, that was the realm. That was the realm that your heart was knit. Your heart was knit to that realm. And, and fulfilling or finding fulfillment in life through that realm. So this is a full divorce. These steps bring you into a full divorce. It's not just we come to the front, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. Oh, I'm all done. Nope, that was just the beginning. Step one. Step two, step two, I'm putting the sinful nature to death. I'm identifying the cross of Jesus as my cross. Step three, uh, Every influence that's been bugging me, troubling me, harming me, hindering me, opposing me, sabotaging me, uh, uh, causing me trouble, I'm dismissing. I'm dismissing. It's natural. It's my right. It's, it's the power. It's the anointing. It's the grace on my life to now dismiss everything that's been troubling me. Go, leave me alone in Jesus' name. This is the natural progression of things. This is, this is natural step. And we can't emerge. We, want, we talk about being transformed and the metamorph. You, you cannot emerge into who you're called to be unless you walk these three steps out. And I want to encourage you, you don't walk them out once. You walk them out every day. You walk them out every day. You walk them out every day. Does that offend you that, that devils could bug you on Tuesday? Well, you know, I mean, if you're above that, if you're, if you're above that, then I guess, sorry, you know, then just omit step three and continue to, to just kind of grovel and struggle. But, but I, I'm not going to be offended that maybe I could be bugged by a devil on a Tuesday. Maybe I, could be, maybe I could be bugged by a devil on a Wednesday. Maybe I could have a wrong thought on a Thursday. Maybe, maybe on a sanctified Friday that something could, could come at me in such a way that it troubles me and I could identify, you know, that could be dismissed. That could be dismissed. It's not complicated, church. It's just that in Western theology, uh, we have, we've omitted uh, the power, the understanding, the authority, the insight, the revelation, the truth, the application of truth number three. 
But if we'll embrace truth number three and just see that it's common, it's literally common. Why does the Bible talk to Christians about your struggle is not with flesh and blood? So, by the way, along with today's topic, so stop cursing flesh and blood. Your, your, trouble, your trouble is not with flesh and blood. Your trouble, Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 18, your trouble is with principalities, powers, wickedness in the spirit realm, right? So he talks about three levels of spiritual, spiritual trouble that's troubling you. It's not the people around you. Don't be a hater on the people around you. Be a hater on the spirits working to trouble you. Then your victory will come. 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 Then your success will come. Then your blessing will come. Then your prosperity will come. Then you will get your breakthrough. You'll get your breakthrough. But don't omit point number three. Why is he writing to believers in James chapter four? And he says, uh, hey, we got some trouble here. And he, you know, starts, he starts way back in James chapter one, actually, right? He's talking about the tongue, and he's talking about words, and he's talking about stumbling, and he's talking about true religion, and he's talking about faith without works is dead. And I mean, all the way through James, he's just preaching his happy. Then he gets to chapter 4, 6 through 6, 7, and 8, and he says, now listen, what I'm trying to tell you is submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Do you recognize he's talking to Christians? Do you recognize James was not written to a bunch of unbelievers? He's talking to those who are, who are walking out step one, confessing Jesus, step two, bringing their sinful nature to the cross, step three, resisting. It's common. It's common. James says, you, 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 you know the drill, guys. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Put up a resistance to the devil, and he'll flee from you. It's a common part of our lives. Amen? You all right with that? Everybody okay? Now, we talked about, uh, of course, it relates to sin and, and uh, our past and, and things that maybe we've opened our, ourselves up to. Last week, we talked a little bit about hurts. We talked about some other doorways there. Today, I want to talk about the power of curses, the power of curses, uh, cursing. And uh, I just recognize coming into this, I won't, do, I won't do justice to this topic, but the Bible talks a lot about uh, reasons for a curse on your life. And what we've learned through uh, Recover Life and uh, our Restored Life ministry, what we've learned is that though you're set free, though you're set free in the Lord, you're not free until you engage or make application to the power that is yours in the new creation. It's kind of like this. It's kind of like Jesus defeated the devil, but didn't kick him off the planet. He's still here. Actually, you know, the way I understand Revelation 12, Jesus defeats the devil and kicks him out of heaven. Because he was there through his authority over man. So Jesus, the perfect man of sins, he kicks the devil out of heaven. But Revelation 12 goes on to say, but woe unto you that are in the earth. Because he's come down to you knowing that his time is short. So this is, this is part of what we understand is that though you have the power of freedom, and though you are a new creature in Christ, and, and though, you, though you have the power of a new life, if you don't engage in step three, which is walking out your deliverance, walking out your freedom, walking out your sozo, if you don't engage in that step, then stuff could be tormenting you, harming you, hindering you. Uh, and there are all sorts of categories out of the Word that relate to this, of which I'm not going to go into all of them. Deuteronomy 27 15 through 26 talks about a whole bunch of them. Idolatry is the grounds for a curse. Disrespect to parents, bringing harm to authority, harming the weak and the helpless, treachery against a neighbor. Uh, these, are, these are all uh, reasons given in Deuteronomy 27 for a curse. 
we move into Deuteronomy 28, and if we extrapolate the essence of Deuteronomy 28, which is a chapter on blessings and curses, essentially he's saying to disobey the Lord is, there, is a reason for a curse. Hearken unto the voice of the Lord and do all that I'm commanding you to do. So, disobeying the Lord could be a reason to be opened up to a curse in our lives because we, we intentionally disobey the voice of the Lord. Lots of reasons to be influenced by a curse. Jeremiah 17, 5 says, Cursed is the man who trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength and whose heart is turned away from the Lord. So lots of reasons, uh, lots of reasons for curses uh, in the Bible, lots of reasons to be under a curse. Uh, one is, one reason, and we, we know this, is uh, the failure to perform perfectly the law. So that's part of why we, we love uh, the teaching of Paul in the New Testament, the revelation that's come through Paul that when Jesus fulfilled the law on our behalf, that it frees us from that particular curse. Cursed is he who cannot fulfill all of the law. And so, we, you know, we love what he writes in Galatians 3.13, is that there's no longer a curse for those that are in Christ Jesus, right? So, that particular curse that we're free from in Jesus is the curse for not fulfilling or performing intricately every jot, every dotting of the I, every crossing of the T of the law. Right? How many of you know, how many of you familiar with that passage? Galatians 3.13. Uh, where's my team back there? Can you bring that up on the screen? Galatians 3.13. I'm seeing a lot of deer in headlights out there. So we'll take a minute on this. Galatians 3.13. I think, and I'm bringing this topic up a little bit today because I, I think that errantly, so Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. What, what did he redeem us from? Pardon? So this is interesting. I want, I want you to catch this is that that even this curse, the curse of the law, which Deuteronomy 28 verses 15 through 62 tell you all about, but I, I want you to see that even that particular curse right there, the curses that would come upon you for not fulfilling perfectly the law, even those curses could still have an effect in your life if you're covered in Jesus and under Jesus, if you don't know that you can resist those curses. See, see, this is the way the enemy works. Satan is by nature a lawbreaker and a trespasser. And just because you have a right for something in the Lord doesn't mean it's yours. Experientially. When we bought this property, some of you have heard my... We tell the story when we bought this property. We have 5.79 acres here, and when we bought the property, uh, everything was fine from 96 to 98 when we negotiated on the property. And then uh, in 98, uh, we uh, moved forward on the purchase of the property and uh, paid off the property at some point in, in 98. In 99, uh, we got building permits to start building the, the building in 1999. But when we, uh, when we started building, uh, the first thing we had, we're built on 60 feet of sand right here. And uh, so, uh, for the sake of uh, the firmness of soil, uh, we preloaded the land where the building was going to set. That's one method that you can, if you're going to build on sand, you want to compress the sand all the way. Otherwise, you have to put piles down. And you have to run piles all the way to rocks. That's 60 feet deep. And then you have to you make the slab uh, over the top of these piles. So the more affordable way was to compress the sand fully. And when the sand was compressed fully, it wouldn't compress any further than you build the building. 
with like a floating slab. So if we had an earthquake today, uh, you and I, we would just smile, and the slab would just kind of float over the top of it. <laughs> so you're actually in an ark right now. This is like a big giant boat. This is God's ark right here, all right? So we, we had to preload the land, and so we had surveying teams in here, and we had construction teams, and, and we, uh, we put like 10 feet of Class B fill on top of the pad where the building would go, seven feet out all the way around, and then 10 feet high. So about, you know, this is, this is 32 inches right here. So imagine 10 feet is up about here. So there was that much dirt on this property, Class B fill that we brought in to compact. So the civil engineers figure all this out, right? And the seismic guys and whatever. So after 90 days, they check all their, they have readings all around the land. And after 90 days, they check and see if, if it's compacted all the way. It hadn't been. But when we started doing that, uh, the neighbors came out. They hired a survey firm, uh, almost identical to the time that we started our survey work. And they claimed uh, a portion of our property along the whole west line, they claimed a portion of our property 10 feet deep. Now, we had the deed. We had the deed. But they claimed our property. This but we owned the property. We paid for the property. We had the deed. We even had surveys that said, but they called it adverse possession. They said, we've been using it for 10 years. So since they've been using it for 10 years, it's our property. Adverse possession. This is kind of the way some of our lives are, is that there's stuff going on in our lives that's curse-oriented that we haven't stood up to. So since we haven't stood up to it, even though we have the legal deed to the fullness of what belongs to us in Jesus, because we haven't stood up to it, then there's a claim on our soul, and until we rise up and push the claim out, we have to push the claim out. Step number three. Deliverance is normal. Until you push the claim out of your soul, you cannot get the full use of the boundaries of your life. So this is why this is, this is important, is that, that if, if you don't know you're free from a curse, if you don't even believe there are such things as curses, if you don't even know that curses are real, then, then you, you could be missing a lot of breakthrough. And in our whitey-tidy Western uh, evangelical theology, we, we just never talk about this stuff. And so we got some kind of a goofy idea this stuff doesn't exist. Uh, today I want to talk about words, the power of words, uh, and, you know, kind of the power of cursing. This is interesting. Let me just read a few verses to us. Because uh, this is interesting about words and about, about curses or cursing. Everybody say, words are powerful. Say it again, words are powerful. Fact is, we know, we know that passage, right? Uh, Proverbs 18, 21, death and life is in the power of the tongue. Now, why would the Bible say that death and life is in the power of the tongue if it wasn't? If it wasn't, why would it say that? H hello? Isaiah 54. Isaiah. We have a sound problem. We have to find out what that is. Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon that is formed against you will prosper. And every tongue that accuses you in judgment, you will condemn. Every tongue, uh, another translation says, every tongue that rises up against you. Now, why would we, why, why would we even worry about a tongue rising up against you? Because there's power in a tongue rising up against you. This is the heritage of the servants. Of, now, this is interesting. If a tongue rises up against you and you don't condemn it or you don't confront it or you don't, and you're not condemning or confronting the tongue, by the way. How dare you wag your little tongue at me? I mean, you're, you're not... What, what this is... If you perceive that there are things being spoken against you, wrongfully, unjustly, 
against who you are in Christ, then, then the heritage of the sons of God is to condemn that which is being spoken. That's, that's kind of step number three. Dismiss, overthrow what's being spoken. Isaiah 54. Let's go to Numbers 15. I, I mean, Numbers uh, 22. Uh, this is out of the NIV, Numbers 22. Long passage. Everybody say long passage. Oh, Lord, help us. The Israelites traveled to the plains of Moab and camped along the Jordan along from, uh, from Jericho. Now Balak, the son of Zippor, saw, that Israel, what, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites, and Moab was terrified because there were so many people. Indeed, Moab was filled with dread because of the Israelites. The Moabites said to the elders of Midian, the, this horde is going to lick up everything around us as an ox licks up the grass of the field. So Balak, son of Zippor, who was king of Moab at the time, sent messengers to summon Balaam, the son of Beor, who was at Perthor, near the Euphrates River, in his native land. And Balak said, A people have come out from Egypt, they cover the face of the land, and have settled next to me. Now come and put a curse on these people, because they're too powerful for me. Everybody say, Curses are real. Perhaps then I will be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land, for I know that whoever you bless is blessed, and whoever you curse is cursed. The elders of Moab and Midian left, taking with them the fee for divination. And when they came to Balaam, they told him what Balak had said. Now, in the long run, many of you know the story, Numbers 22, 23, 24. Many of you know the story. Uh, the Lord confronts Balaam and says, don't do it. Uh, you can't curse what I've blessed. Please don't do that. Uh, when you come up to the place where the, you are to say over Israel what it is that they want you to say, just, just say what I tell you to say. So, you know, he would come up and they'd get him all ready on his podium to curse the people. And he'd, blessed be Israel. Hey, hey, stop, stop. You're supposed to curse them. But again, my point is, this is interesting, is that, that words have power. This is actually how divination or how witchcraft works. And my fear is that we've all been touched by witchcraft. And my fear is that we're all engaged in witchcraft. At least a, a soft, <laughs> a soft form of witchcraft can be at work in the lives of Christian people because we're using words to harm, to offend. Now, this last week we were driving around, I was telling a story. I can't remember the story now. But uh, I used the word idiot talking about somebody. At the same moment that I felt the Holy Spirit say, idiot? My wife looked at me and says, no, honey, we don't talk that way. Double conviction, baby, double conviction. <laughs> and I, I, think, I think we don't understand this well, is that, that coming out of such a dark, 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 dark world, when Jesus came, cursing was common. Divination was common. Witchcraft was common. Uh, for us, you know, we, we got a tarot card reader, you know, and a, you know, a poem reader in each town. And we think that's witchcraft. That's witchcraft. No, no, you don't understand. When Jesus came, cursing was common. Cursing was common. The power of the word, the power of the tongue, the power of the mouth, the power and witchcraft was so common or to be engaged in that which was parallel or common to divination, darkness, declaration of harm and judgment and cursing and negativity over other people who offended you or harmed you was so common that, that we need to read the New Testament out of that thinking. See, we're reading the New Testament disengaged from witchcraft so deeply that we don't understand that we might be practicing some of it ourselves. We might be under the influence of it ourselves. 
We have to even be careful the way we talk uh, over one another as we analyze things that appear to be facts. See, growing up, everywhere I went, I would break things. So soon they called me crash. Soon they called me accident prone. Did you know there's titles that seem fitting according to that which is observed, but they shouldn't be spoken? They shouldn't be spoken. They shouldn't be spoken. Because to speak them is to release a curse, and there's power in your words. There's power in your words. So even when you acknowledge something happening with someone around you, or you acknowledge something in your own life, maybe look for, does this fit in with something that I've accepted, received? Is this fit in with something spoken over me? Has there been something, and specifically I'm talking today, about the power of words, and that power needs to be broken. That power needs to be broken. That power needs to be Don't come into agreement with it. You're a new creation in Christ. You literally deserve, in Jesus, you deserve a superior life. You deserve, in Jesus, a victorious life. You deserve, in Jesus, an overcoming life. You deserve, in Jesus, an, a, a new creation life. You, this is what, whether you feel like you deserve it or not, the Lord has declared before the Father they deserve it. I've marked them with blood. Let the blessings pour, be poured out on their lives. You okay? Just, there's so many verses on this, and uh, I, know I'm, uh, I know I'm going long now, so you've got to bear with me. You know, Luke 17, 1 says, be sure of this, and the King James uh, uh, is even more clear, but it's, Jesus says this, it's the words of Jesus, be sure of this, offenses will come. But then, but then uh, you read a, a little deeper, you read the next word, and it says, but woe unto him through whom they come. I, I, I don't want a woe life. Anybody want a woe life? I, I don't want to be on the other end of a woe. And I think this is, you know, some of the power even of the Lord's Prayer and the, and the passages about the Lord's Prayer that, that I think we're creating some debt relationships before the Father in the way that we talk. Uh, that need to be cleared up. And this is part of, this. see, your tongue might be the most offensive thing that you've got going on, and this is part of what we bring before the Lord in our daily prayer times. Lord, uh, the way that I talked about somebody, the way, the way that I said some things, Lord, uh, uh, I've, I've created a, a debt relationship there. Would you forgive me of my debts uh, as I forgive my debtors? Uh, in, in Matthew uh, Oh, no, it's not Matthew. Let's see if I can find it. You okay? For one more minute, maybe two? Matthew 5, 21. You've heard that the ancients were told, you shall not commit murder, and whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you that everyone who's angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever says, you fools, shall be guilty enough to go to the fire, to, into fiery hell. Therefore, if you're presenting your offering at the altar, and there remember your brother has something against you. Why does he have something against you, by the way? Because of the way you talked. Because of the way you accused him. Because of the way you condemned him. Because of the way you judged him. Because of the, because of the language you used. If you're at the altar, and all at once you realize that there's distance, animosity, separation. There's something going on between you and somebody else. And it's because of what you've said. It's because of what you've done. It's because of your anger. It's because of your, you said good for nothing. You said idiot. You said stupid. You said fool. You used words that were of a cursing nature. If you remember that, leave your gift, go make it right, then come back to the altar. I'm, I'm telling you, this is part of what will heal us as a people. This will heal us in our relationships, this will heal us as a family. This will heal us one to another. Colossians. Let's go to Colossians real quick. Probably my phone telling me that I need to be quiet now. Colossians 3, 5. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, 
sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourself of such things as these, anger, rage, rid yourself, rid yourself, rid yourself, anger, rage, malice, malicious talk, slander, filthy language from your lips. Verse 12, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy, dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If anyone has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. You okay? 1 Peter 3.9, I'm almost done. 1 Peter 3.9, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but on the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing, so that you may inherit a blessing, so that you may inherit a blessing. Whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn away from evil and do good, seek peace and pursue it, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil." We're going to find throughout the New Testament, if you realize, the New Testament was written to a darkened people who were very familiar, daily familiar with what it was to curse and to use the power of the tongue to tap into witchcraft and divination and to use the power of the tongue to bring harm, to bring condemnation, to bring slander, to bring malice, to bring ridicule, to bring forth the power of the words to tap into that so that it brought a result of harm to the person who was being confronted or spoken about. They were familiar with that, and now the writings or the New Testament are, you're free from that, rid yourselves of it, love one another in the Lord. Let's stand. Wow, I know he's close when he says, let's stand. Overcoming the curse. Overcoming the curse. Listen quickly. I want to give you a few points while you're standing on overcoming the curse. Number one, repent for all evil speech. Let's get before the Lord right now. Let's get before the Lord so as to live curse-free in our language. Repent for all evil speech, heart, hurtful speech. Uh, let's turn our hearts toward the Lord. We're going to flee from caustic, jaded, cynical, judgmental speech. We're going to repent of it. Repent. That we're going to turn away from it. Number two, declare disempowered all the curses you've spoken over other people. Declared and agreed with out of personal gain, out of anger, out of retaliation, out of any reason, just because it's common in an unclean world. Declare it disempowered. Number three, ask the Lord to show you the mercy of forgiveness. Lord, forgive me. I repent. I'm asking you to forgive me for the way that I talked about that person, the way I've been talking about this person, the things I've released over that person. Would you forgive me? Would you show me mercy? Would you show me mercy, Lord? Number three. Number four, Renounce hatred, renounce witchcraft, renounce divination, renounce bringing harm to others through words. No more will I do it. No more will I do it. Holy Spirit, you're my help. I'm not going to bring harm to others through my words. No more. No more. Say with me. Say no more. No more. No more am I going to bring harm to others through my words. No more. That's number four. Number five. Declare broken the power of curses spoken over your life. Even the ones you've submitted to or agreed with, make a list of them. Make a list of them. Curses are real. Curses are spiritual. Curses are powerful. The spirit realm is superimposed over the natural. And I encourage you, I exhort you, make a list of things happening in your life 
things spoken over you, mom and dad, history, out of troubled relationships, whatever it was, make a list. This week, what's your homework? Make a list this week and declare those curses broken. Declare them broken. Declare them broken. Declare them broken. Kick the neighbors off your property. Kick adverse possession. Has to go. Kick the neighbors off your property. Assert yourself as this new creation person that God has made you to be. Amen? Hands up everywhere. Father, we thank you that you've made us new creations. We thank you for the metamorphosis, the transformation. Thank you for the help of the Holy Spirit right now. And we agree right now, we've not only come to you through Jesus, but we're bringing our sinful, carnal nature to the cross. And we are dismissing the curses attached to that nature. We are dismissing the curses that come, have come against us out of the unclean realm. We are dismissing, and we also are saying, with step number two, as we present ourselves to you in the cross, that no longer will we curse. No longer will we curse. No longer will we curse. And we just thank you that you're making us new, that you're working out this metamorphosis in us. In Jesus' name, everybody said, God bless you. Worship as we go. Hug one another. Bless one another. I love you, Lord, and all your mercy never fails me, and all my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God.
the goodness of God. Oh, Lord, all my life, all my life, you have been faithful. And all my life, you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, Lord, I will sing. Of the goodness of God. Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. Oh, I will sing of the goodness. 